0: My name is Tony, and I was in a cult for over a decade. And my name is Lindsay, and my sister was in a cult for over a decade. And now I'm out. Lindsay and my family helped get me out, and we have created a podcast. Playing in Traffic. We interview survivors of the Wimscog. We cover topics of healing and topics of all things about cults. So tune in like, subscribe, whatever all that means, and enjoy the process of deconstruction. Welcome to Playing in Traffic. This is our disclaimer song. This is our disclaimer song. It's our don't sue us don't sue us if you didn't want us to make a podcast about you then you probably shouldn't have started a religion where you brainwashed people and separated them from your family so it's kind of your fault but don't sue us don't sue us you know who you are so don't do it don't sue us don't sue us Welcome to this episode of Playing in Traffic. Today is a very, very special episode because it is the first time that we are going to speak with a family member of somebody who has been affected by the Wimscog, and um, somebody who can offer a lot of insight into what parents and especially the mothers go through. Um, when their children are involved in this organization. So today we're gonna speak with Caroline and also with AJ. They are a married couple with six beautiful children. And actually two of them are involved in the Wimscog, And they've been involved for a long, long time. And this family has gone through a lot and they have a lot of um, stories and a lot of hardships to share with us. So thank you Caroline for coming on with us today thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you. We're, we've been um, kind of grappling with the idea of having, how to have a family member on without um, putting their situation into like a worse situation. And right. so, as we'll, we'll learn about your current relationship with your family and, and kind of what you guys have gone through. Um, you know, it's been, and I, when we first talked to you, I rem- I was trying to think if this podcast had come out and my sister was still in it, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know how I would feel about coming on the podcast. And so I just want to say thank you for being brave and coming out and talking. And um, you know, i there's a lot of your story that i that touches my heart. And you know, when i when i you originally reached out, your email made me just sob. so. I'm excited to have you share your story on here, and, and thank you for being willing to do that with us.
1: Well, you know, I've l- listened to a lot of podcasts that y'all have done, and um, it's it's a lot of happiness and, and joy that, you know, people have come out and are coming out with their lives, and they're getting their lives back, but unfortunately, my story doesn't have an happy ending right now, so, um, you know, I'm kind of still in the midst of it, but um, yes, I, I've talked to you uh quite a few parents and um you know parents don't want to do this because we feel like that it's going to make our situation worse um i've had parents tell me that they feel like um and i felt like that you know when i was vocal on the examining forum um i think that the church i knew that they knew who i was they figured me out and my children and uh, i felt like to me that they were trying to punish me through my children and uh So I've heard other parents say that, too. So um, and we don't want to make our situation worse. We don't want to cause any pain and suffering for our children. But at this point, um, we our family has no communication with our children. Um, I haven't talked to my daughter in almost three years and my son, uh, I have talked to him a few times in those three years. But the conversations, um, especially the last year, have been very turbulent and. So, um, it'll probably be a long time before we do talk again. He, he has talked to his father a few times, but, um, you know, I just feel like I really don't have anything to lose because I may never see him again. So that's kind of where I am.
0: Oh, heartbreaking. Well, we appreciate you being here and, um, yeah, if you just want to kind of talk about your kids a little bit, maybe like, uh, explain how they were introduced to the church and how how the wimscog became a part of your family dynamic
1: okay i, I thought i would just take a few minutes to kind of give us to give a um backstory of our family and what we were like and um we're a southern family we live on the gulf coast and uh we had six children Um, When I was 23, I was widowed with um, a a 17-month-old, and I remarried um, when I was 26 to my current husband, AJ, and he adopted my first son, and uh, shortly after that, we had five children in 10 years, so they were all, you know, the next group was pretty close. There's a six-year gap between my first and my second son. Um, The second son is the one that is in the Wimscog and then my first daughter. So we had four boys and two girls at the end. Um, Just a quick story. uh, Our first son joined the Marines after high school, and he uh, had an injury while he was stationed um, in active duty in Camp Pendleton. And um, he has a severe brain injury. And so I flew out there and was gone six months, brought him back to the house, and spent three years Rehab in him our whole family you know was involved in that so that was kind of a big thing in our family um I had to kind of you know I was spread pretty thin you know for a little while I think my son was um he was like a junior in high school when that happened and my daughter was like nine years old um uh, and so that happened and then um we kind of got back on our feet but our our children uh we have a, uh, a husband. My husband is in sales and he's very strong type A personality. And um, he pushed my children uh, in fitness and uh, they excelled in sports and and uh, they went to a private school that was uh, college prep. And we did the best we could. I felt like I was a really good mother. Um, we had a Christian base. Um, my husband was a Bible teacher and I was a Sunday school teacher and I played the piano at church. Um, and we, you know, did Bible camps for underprivileged children in the summer. I and mean, my son uh, wanted to be a missionary at one time, and he went with his father to an orphanage in Honduras. And you know, we we kind of had all those kind of things going on. Um, our second son uh, that that got in, um, his, our story starts with Wimscog as he graduated from the Naval Academy. He played, he went there for football and he played um, for a year or two. And then um, after he graduated, he went to um, uh, Virginia Beach and um, he called us one day and said um, that he was going to go to a Bible study. And he said, mom, daddy, you know, please pray for me, you know, that they know a lot about the Bible. and I'm really excited. We're like, okay, So three days into it, I get a message from him, and he said, Mom, you know that missionary I give to? He said, "Um, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to start giving to the new church. So I said, oh, really? Um, I thought that was odd. And uh, so I said, so what's your new church? So he told me, he says, well, it's the WMSCOG, but don't look up on the the Internet because they don't have a lot of good things to say. So I immediately looked it up and uh, stayed up all night. Uh, you know, texting him and talking to him about the church. I found out that, you know, they believed in a mother God and all that. And I was very concerned and uh, we got really upset. And so the next day, my husband uh, took our RV up to where he was and spent four days to try to get him out. And um, so the first day he, he spent with him, he was on the ship and they, you know, talked about the Bible. We didn't really understand, you know, the dynamics of the church at that time, and so he just tried to talk about the Bible, and he went to the church with him, and when they, you know, when he walked in, he saw a big picture of a woman with flowers, and, you know, lots of people around her, and AJ, my husband said, oh my gosh, he said that, so that's the mother God, and uh, my son was very offended, and uh, they went in the back, and they, you know, tried to preach to my husband, and and uh, that didn't work, and uh, so it kind of didn't end well, and uh, so then immediately the church put um, tried to separate my son from my husband, so they told him he needed to go preaching. He was supposed to meet up with my husband on a Sunday. He didn't show up until the mid-afternoon, and he was in a suit, and um, then there was a confrontation, and my husband just got really upset. My son got you know, he got his finger in my husband's face. It got really ugly. And uh, my husband called me crying and he said, we've lost him. We've lost him. He said, I I failed. And uh, he came home. And uh, other than that time, my husband saw him for 15 minutes and that was the last time he saw him 12 years ago. And uh, so, you know, we tried to, so immediately I would, I'd like to say, you know, one of the reasons I'm doing this is because when parents have a child get in this, the first thing they think is it's like your child is in the back seat of a car and somebody drives off in the car and you just run down the road. You don't know what to do. You're just yelling, screaming, asking for help. And, you know, immediately we started doing that. We, you know, called people and told them, oh, you know, what happened. And, you know, we asked our pastors to pray. And, you know, I started immediately getting on the internet trying to find, you know, any information that I could. And so I, um, just want to kind of tell our story because this is kind of. I've talked to quite a few parents. They would say, you know, my child's child's been in for six months. What do you say? And I'm like, there's not a really good story. You know, this is a marathon. You know, get ready. It's going to be a long, drawn out ordeal. You know, so um, I after they he joined, I got on the internet and I just told my story to the examining website. I told it in such a way that. Um, the administration reached out to me and gave me the, some contacts from ex-members that this was a long time ago. This was like back in, I guess it was in like 2011. Um, they gave me some contacts with some people in California that had been the original members in the Los Angeles church, and so I talked to one particular person quite often, and she explained to me, you know, the ins and outs of the church and uh so I got involved in that, I got on the forum, I met other parents, um, you know, I called quite a few parents and the parents that had been in for a lot longer than me, the ones that had been in for like 10 years, I was like, wow, they are so cynical. It's like, they've just given up, you know, like, wow, how how could that happen, you know? And needless to say, that's kind of where I am now, you know, 11 years in or 12 years in. But um, so I got involved with with that. And then I started, you know, reading all the books I could on it. And um, Steve Hassan's books, you know, were the ones that everybody recommended. I read those. I got on his website. My husband and I paid for counselors to counsel us and we were told, you know, just keep communication, whatever you can do, you know, just don't, you know, don't bring up the church, don't bring up the Bible, just, you know, bring up family things, you know, try to keep them involved in the family, you know, try to, you know, just keep contact. And so every week I I was calling him, you know, and he answered. Um, It was like watching a train wreck, you know, you see your kid, you know, he had friends and he was popular and he had a great job and then he had this dog that he loved, and, and um, he had to give the dog up. His, his roommates thought he was strange, and so he had to leave that, and then eventually the church realized that we were causing problems in his life, and so they told him to move to a, a apartment. He told me he was sleeping in a bad part of town on a mattress on the floor, and he wouldn't let us know where he lived, So, you know, we couldn't go up and get him or contact him like we would do that. And uh, so we had this long, you know, drawn out ordeal. So I sent my, um, the second and third son, excuse me, the third and fourth son up to visit him. And um, there was a confrontation between them, um, between the son that's in the cult and the third son. And uh, the third son felt very threatened. So he had to leave uh, a couple of days early and he came home and, um you know that was that just didn't go well and so i i um was still trying to keep contact still trying to reach out so i took the oldest son who had the brain injury and uh he and i flew up and stayed with my son for 3 days um we had the korean music in the background when he picked me up in the car we got to the apartment um he got his bible out he got very frustrated very loud and very frustrated that I couldn't see what he was trying to tell me. I didn't believe.
0: When you went to go visit him, did you stay in his apartment or did you get a hotel room?
1: No, I stayed with him. Okay. I had a roommate.
0: Okay.
1: So I think the roommate was gone. The m- roommate was gone. So we stayed there. Yes. And uh, he slept on the sofa, but um, I wanted to go to the church uh, and I went to the church and I tried, I was so nice. I tried my very best to, Be respectful. And um, I bragged on him. They showed me all the construction, you know, and bragged on him because obviously they had him in charge of a lot of construction that they had going on. He was supposed to finish out the attic and they said he was really good at it. And um, so I ended up leaving and uh, we left. I thought, you know, it was on fairly good terms and we communicated for a while. And then um, my daughter, was um she uh was a um she was an all-american uh pole vaulter and uh she was one of the best in the country in high school she won all the state championships in our state so she wanted to go to louisville and she got a full ride there and um so i thought she was doing all right and she told me that he was going to come in town for thanksgiving so i was like oh good you can talk to him you know you can be another voice you know maybe you can be a voice of reason because she was very smart and um you know she i thought she was a very devout christian and um so anyway she texts me or and says hey i'm going in the restaurant now you know um i'll let you know how it goes so i don't hear for her for three days and so then i finally reach her after three days And the third son told me, he said, mom, he said, she's in. I said, what? He said, mom, he said, they've got her. And I said, what? And so I didn't know, but I I got her on the phone and I could tell something was really wrong. And she says, look, we'll talk when I come home Christmas. So I was like, all right, all right. I just couldn't believe it. So anyway, when she came home Christmas, everything had changed. Um, I do want to just back up a second you know, I had four boys, and so I really wanted a girl, so this girl, and I, she was everything, she was the perfect daughter, I mean, I just adored her, everything about her, and um, she was, I just can't tell you how much I love, I love all my children, I love my son just as much, but um, it was just, we had a very special relationship, you know, we would go shopping, get our nails done, you know, um, she was a girly girl, but she was, you know, she she was just a wonderful person, and um, so anyway, I could tell when she came home Christmas that her uh, demeanor toward me was drastically changed. It was like, you know, you're an idol worshiper. You know, why did you tell me lies? You know, you told me Bible stories. You didn't tell me truth. And I was like, what are you talking about? So then she finally told me, I said, so what did he say to you? And she said, well, I went in the restaurant and I was, you know, going to talk to him about you know trying to make him think you know like do you really think this woman is god do you really think that this woman that's seven years old that has ailments that that's really god and she said he told her he said those are good questions and i don't think i can explain this in a way that you can understand but i know someone who can so he takes her to the church and of course they keep her there for hours and she gets baptized and um by the time she comes home two, two weeks later um It's she's done, you know, and so she ends up going back to school five days later. I don't really understand what's going on. Um, You know, he's talking to her in secret, and you know, when she's in her bedroom, she's telling me that she um, can y'all still hear me? Okay, she's telling me that she's going out with her friends when she's really going across the state line to a church an hour away. Um, and getting indoctrinated. So the whole time that she's home for those five days, she's really not. She's really at the church and he's telling her what to do. Not now that I understand he's her branch. So you know he's in charge of her. He's one that's supposed to tell her you know what she's supposed to be doing. I didn't understand that at the time. So you know she's one of his 10 talents, so he doesn't want to lose her and um, so anyway she goes back up to Louisville and um, You know, step by step, he teaches her how to divorce us and, um, you know, she goes to the school. She no longer needs our money, um. And it just goes from bad to worse. You know, we're just extremely upset and I, I hate myself now because I should have just driven up there and gotten her stuff and pulled her out immediately but she, you know, she had a $35,000 a year scholarship. She was all American. She was the eighth best falter in the country. They had hired a coach for her. You know, um, they'd given her tons of money, you know, $20,000 worth of polls. Um, You know, they were spending lots of money on her and I just hated for her to lose it. I should have done it. I should have gone right then and got her, but I you Carolyn, you
0: were in an impossible situation, so I hope I hope, I know that you feel that guilt, but I hope that you can just know, like.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I, um. so anyway, we did, my husband and I got immediately, you know, after a couple of weeks, we realized uh, she didn't get out. She told us she was going to get out, but she didn't. And uh, so they, you know, she had a handler and the handler wouldn't leave her alone. I didn't understand that either. I thought she could just stop. But you can't just stop. You know, they're going to pursue you. They're going to show up at your place. So we went up there. And um, so when we went there, uh, you know, the whole church was waiting for us. You know, she she was waiting outside for us to come. And we went inside. The message was for us. It was a missionary who's real famous in the East Coast was the church. Uh, He was at the church at that time, and he did the message for us, and after it was over, we went in the back, and we spoke for about four and a half hours about the Bible, just went round and round, and um, so uh, we finally got to uh, impasse, and uh, uh, he said, look, he said, if you just let her alone, we'll let her stay in track, we'll let her stay in school, we'll let her come home, and I said, you will. I said, well, then we'll let her keep her car, we'll keep paying her bills, you know, that's, you know, if she, you know, we'll, we'll just do that, you know, we didn't want her to believe these things, but we were like, well, you know, we'll just, as long as we can keep a relationship with her, you know, we'll just back off, you know, and we did, we went home and we backed off, and, um, you know, she did, she did come home, She did do track. She is seldom track because that's all she had. She didn't have any friends. They made her break up with her boyfriend, um, who I really think she liked a lot. Her friends were always calling us and texting us. They were so upset because, you know, she was always gone. She was lying about where she was and they were worried about her. Um, But we just let it go on because she did still come home. And then about a year later, um, when she was going to conference, she was going to be All-American her third time. She was probably going to go to nationals again. And I don't know, To just have to explain this about track. When you're in track, everything is about the final conference in May. It's like the the head coach, he was paying 35000 for her and all these thousands of dollars for seven other vaulters, you know, $100,000, you know, paying for all the the um her coach, and she had a personal massage, you know, every day, and all this, that and other, he was putting all this money in, but he was expecting to get points at the end of the year, the end of the year points was everything, well, the end of the year, she, he calls us, and he says, look, she's fixing to come into the office and sign out a track, she's quitting track, you know, a day before conference, because I'm not going to let her go to Pentecost, and I was like, oh my word, you know, and so uh, I was just, you know, seeing your kids do this. It's like a train wreck one after another. That's how it was for our family anyway. And that's what I believe. But so I was like, I told her, I spoke to her that day. I said, if you do this, I said, you break your rule. I said, I'm taking your car. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to send someone to get to car this week. I'm going to take out no more credit cards, you know, no more, you know, car insurance, you know, all that's over, you know. can so
0: was the day of Pentecost the same day as the conference? Is that what
1: yeah. it was? The day after, and he wouldn't let her fly home.
0: Can I just say like, as a former member, and I'm just, just looking from her perspective, like also, mm-hmm. I feel so sad for her in a way, which I, I just feel so sad because for her, that was a really difficult situation to make because for her, that was like, Life or death in her mind. She thought that by, you know, by sacrificing, like to her, there was just no choice. And that that just breaks my heart so much because now, looking from the other side, I understand she did have a choice.
1: Um, what year was that again? That was um 2017. Okay, so like
0: the 2012 doomsday thing had come and gone already. Okay,
1: about. He got in at 11 right before the doomsday, and then she got in probably around 15. Okay. um, But you're right. The coach, I could tell the times we went up to see her that there was a lot of friction. I could tell that he was letting her go to Pentecost and skip some meets. I could tell she skipped some things. He was, you know, he was getting aggravated at all the things that he had to contend with with her being in this group and he finally said look you're gonna have to make a choice right you, know, you can't leave conference you know when you're in conference you gotta stay so she didn't go she wrote it off and she signed out those papers and um all the seven vaulters that went down they all no-hided. they got no points all the so the whole track program was for nothing that year I mean, all, even the coach was so upset, all the members, all her teammates, she was the leader. And they all know, none of them got over the pole because they were so upset. So um, I went, I, I followed through with my thing because my thing was, my thing was that she lost her scholarship. There was no reason for her to be at that school. She could come back to our state. In our city, we had the third largest school in the state and they wanted her desperately for pole vaulting and offered her a full ride she could have gotten a full ride right then at two other schools really close to her house so my thinking was well there's no reason for you for me to be paying for you to go to um to that school because I mean you lost your scholarship I'm not going to pay it I'm not going to pay $35,000 a year I'm not going to pay for you to hang around and go to church I'm not going to pay for your car to take members to church I'm not going to pay for your gas or your car insurance you know for you to just be up there running around to church so um i told her you know she came home we'd get in her apartment she could she could go to church here um you know but she'd have to be close by i'm not going to pay for her to be that far away and so that um you know people listening to this you know parents listening to this they can make their own decision if i did the right thing or not i don't know but that's what i did and you know li- looking back i probably would have done the same thing Uh, i just wanted her home there was no reason for her to be there anymore and uh so anyway that was a big split between us um that really hurt our relationship and um you know her uh her sister and i went up to visit her you know again um and uh we stayed with her i tried my best to keep you know contact with her um but things just went south it was interesting, too, when
0: you first said, like, right when she joined, she came home and she already sounded like she was angry at you. Like you guys had tricked her by teaching her like the Christian religion rather than this. And so it sounds like she was already like in her head, like like she already had an anger towards you guys, which I, I think it's
1: Yeah, I think that's interesting. Well, I was listening, you know, to y'all talking about the shadow, the, the shadow study um, you know, as a, as a parent, you know, that just infuriates me. I mean, how dare, you know, I, I had six children. I cannot tell you I've sacrificed my life for them. I drove crappy cars so they can have my car. I gave my trust fund to her for spending money for college. I mean, I spent my trust money that I got from my mother, my mother's inheritance for her to have a car. I mean, I went without, I had crappy purses so they could have nice purses. I had crappy clothes so they could have nice clothes. I mean, I sacrificed um, and they, they'll tell you that. I, I ran across the other day, I was pulling out something under my bed. I found um, a Mother's Day card that she had written me when she was like, 10 or 12 years old and it was like to the greatest mother in the universe. If there was ever a mother that was could have been any better than you, it doesn't exist. You know, you were the greatest mother. There's never been another mother ever created that's been better than you. My Mm -hmm. son when when he was 10, it said it was a picture of the Earth and he said, you are my stars and my moon. You are the reason that I'm alive. You're the best mother. You're the mother of the, the, the whole world, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, they took that away from my children. I mean, I mean, they hate me. They absolutely hate my guts. They have, to this day, they have taken me off their Facebook. I cannot call them by phone. I do not know where they live. I do not have an address. I don't know where my daughter is. I don't know where she works. I don't know where she lives. I don't know what church she's in for sure. I, I don't know anything about her. I haven't talked to her. It'll be three years. She'll be 28 years old in October. And I haven't talked to her since I went up there to see her three years ago um and I'll go into that story just a little bit the last time I've seen them was three years ago uh, it was almost three years ago minus a few months but I just wanted to make sure my daughter was okay I just had this terrible feeling you know they moved her from Louisville after she she said she graduated I knew my son I knew she wouldn't be penniless I knew that he would take care of her and he did he he she says she graduated she did online courses um you know we did sign the fafsa stuff for her to you know try to get you know grants and all that we did all that for her she she says she did i don't know if she did graduate but she did she said so after that they moved her to new york to new windsor okay then after that supposedly she went to you know manhattan um and, uh, so, um, I knew she was up in that area. I knew my son was up in that area. So I called him and, and it was a day he answered and, um, I just kind of made him feel sorry for me. Cause I was like, you know, I don't even know where my daughter is. I, I don't know where she lives. I don't know. If she's all right. I said, can I come up? I said, can I, can I come to one of your, you know, one of your activities or your events that your church puts on just so that I can see where you are and make sure she's okay. And, uh, Can I
0: pause really quick? I just really want to say that I think it's amazing how many times you went to them and you went to the church. And even though you were so uncomfortable, I know you were and it was so awkward and, you know, there were so many things you wanted to probably say and, you know, but but you constrained it all. I just think that that was really brave of you because a lot of parents would not come into the church. You know, they would just re- flat out refuse because they were so angry, of course. But for you for you to go there and to see them and to stay with them in their environment, I think that that was, I don't know, really good, nice of you to do.
1: I, I really love them. But I, I went up there um, and my son at that time in 2017, in June, he married a woman um, in the church and um, she had lost her mother. And um, she wanted him to tell me that I could be involved in their their wedding or whatever any way I wanted. Well, I was like, sure. But two weeks later, they were already married. So I missed that. So I don't know what all that happened, but I really wanted to meet her. Um, And so I was so excited that I would meet her. I love her. I absolutely adore her. I think she's wonderful. I hope they stay married forever. I -hmm. think she's perfect. I love her and I wish I could have a relationship with her. I wish I would take her in like a daughter in a minute, but um, I can't, but I went up there. And um, so they met me, he and her met me at the airport and um, I was so excited. She was so gracious, so kind and uh, so respectful. And uh, he was too, and we got along and it was like all the anger and hurt was over. It was like, I love you and we hugged, and it was like everything was just good again, and I was like so excited. Now, my daughter, you know, was very bitter and resentful because I had cut all the money off and sent somebody up to get the car and all that, but my son had bought her another car, so um, she wasn't without a car for very long, and uh, so anyway, we, we, you know, we went out to eat that night, and it was just, I was like, wow, you know, they, they seem to be doing well. My daughter looked good. She looked successful. You know, she looked, she dressed nice and made me feel so good. And then the next day, you know, I went to the church and I, I mean, I was so trying so hard because I was so grateful. And so we drive up and, um, you know, there's a gated community. It's the new Windsor church and, you know, they have to have a code to get in. And I was like, why do y'all have to have a code to get in? And um, my daughter says, oh, because of homeless people, you know, homeless people, they eat our food and sleep on our grounds and we have to keep them locked out. Well, that was the daughter I raised. I mean, we used to take food to homeless people. I mean, we, my daughter and I, would bag up groceries and take it to families that didn't have food. I mean, we did that. We did that twice. And, you know, families, the the Bible camp that we worked for, uh, we would bring those children home and they would stay with us for the weekend and they would be involved in our lives for weeks. You know, we took in those people. And my husband works at the rescue mission. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, you know, and you, you hate homeless people. So I was like, wow, that's different. So we get in and then, you know, I'm shuffled around because they're doing these drone things with a whole bunch, you know, hundreds and hundreds of members, you know, doing these, uh, I don't know, some kind of like letters, you know, in their numbers, and they're doing drones above them, so they didn't want me to see that, so they rushed me around, but um, I get in the church, and um, I do have to say, everybody was extremely gracious, extremely gracious, um, the head of the church came in and said, anything I need, anything, you know, I could have, of course, everybody knew exactly where I was at all times. I had a, um, the missionary that we had talked to, you know, with my daughter in Louisville was there. He was, I guess he was assigned to me because my son said I was bad. So I, you know, he says, mom, you know, you're bad. And so, um, huge I had to have, I had to have someone, you know, watch, watch me, follow me around. Yeah, I will. And, uh, so, um anyway they said take lots and lots of pictures take lots and lots of pictures so I took lots of pictures I did take a video of them doing cornhole cornholes excuse me um they were playing a game and it was the kimchi festival so we went to that all day I I was you know I ate the kimchi food I went around saw all the videos um you know talked to all the members and the and you know their their leaders and all that was very gracious I tried my best to be a good face forward and not embarrass my children
0: for doing that did you feel like they were faking it did you feel like they were love bombing you or did, did you truly feel like oh these people are so lovely
1: well uh they were trying to be nice i did see all the people on the today show you know they t- they had the today show um you know all those people that were interviewed on that. I saw them and I was like, wow, it's kind of interesting. But to answer your question, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to go to a church service because I wanted to hear. And um, so the the main pastor, the big the big guy, um, he did the sermon and it was kind of to me. You know, he said if if you're a family member, I only saw one other parent there. Uh, if you're a family member and you want to see your children, just join the church. It's very very simple. Just join the yeah. church. And, your family member and I was like well you know I guess that's to me and my son was called on to do the scripture reading and he I was sitting between my two children and uh, I wore the veil and um so at the end you know everybody stood up and he told everybody to tell me that they love me so you know they chanted we love you for you know three to five minutes you know at the end like they all stood there and looked at you and shouted we love you yeah they all turned around and looked at me with the the hand sign, you know, the love hand sign.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so creepy.
1: <laughs> but um, you know, I um, I just stood up and waved and said thank you, thank you, thank you. So, um, you know, but I don't really feel like they love me. I don't really feel that that head guy really loves me. Um, and I I would like to tell some of the 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 things that are the reason I think that I'm not not particular him, but. Some of the things that um, I think that caused a rift in our family, that was very intentional. Some of the things that caused a rift in our family, there was like four major things. Um,
0: um, yeah. I, I noticed that you continuously, whenever we talk to you, you always say intentional. So and you said something very specific that um, they taught your children how to divorce their parents. So it seems like you can really see that this is an inten- these are intentional tactics to divide families. Is
1: that correct? That's my opinion. That's my opinion in my family. And I have two children, and I'm, I'm one of the rare ones. I, I've never had another parent tell me they had two children uh because usually the other siblings are just shocked and uh, you know so i have two children and it was very very similar very very similar the way you know that they they were very we were very close they loved me they really really truly loved me growing up they feel really felt like i was a good mother um And then it was slowly over time, I could see where, you know, we're just the physical family. And I remember telling my son, I said, you know, don't you think that there's something wrong with me not knowing where my daughter is? And he's like, mom, he said, you're just the physical mother. He says, you you know, she's grown. She doesn't need a mother anymore. So, um, you know, yeah, I do think that it's, it's intentional. I don't know exactly how they do it. But um, in our family, um, you know, one of the things that they did um, was when my son was 22, he was going overseas, he was in the Navy, and he was going to be gone for a year. I wouldn't see him for a year. My son, my beloved son. And he had a month off. He spent all that doing work for the church. So the week before he was to go, he was going to spend the last four days with me. And I was like, oh, great. So I'm one of these Southern mothers, you know, I've got all the food going. I got the house perfect. I've got all the friends coming over. I got the, you know, the siblings coming over. We're all waiting. We're just ready. So he's supposed to be there at 4.30 in the afternoon. Well, at 10.30 in the morning, he calls and says, mom, don't look like I'm going to make it. I'm like, what? You know, he says, well, and then back then, it took, a, it took a little while for us to, uh, for them to get him 100%. He wasn't really lying at first. It took him about three years before he was this a professional liar, a perpetual liar. Uh, so he would tell me, he, he told me, he says, well, the church, he told me at that time that the church was um, thinking about doing a lawsuit against the Navy for their religious freedom on Saturdays. And they needed him to stay around to be around for some paperwork. So he couldn't come home, even though he's going to be gone a year. So I wouldn't going to be able to see my son for a year. And I hadn't seen him for a long time before that. So, of course, I get extremely upset. And there was a big, you know, I said some bad words about the mother. So I'm a blasphemer. And um, so that was a big rift in our family. Okay. And then um, an, an, another one was, um, after I went up to see them and in Winscog, uh, I was going to um, we we paid plane tickets for him, my husband, my son, and his wife to come and visit us. And so, again, you can imagine being a southern mother, I have everything ready, the house is perfect. My husband's coming home from a business trip, He's, he changes tickets. Um, my two sons get off work, my daughter from college. Uh, You know, we're all just extremely excited. You know, I'm finishing up in the morning. He's supposed to, we're supposed to go to the airport to pick him up. I get a text and said, hey, doesn't look like it. We're going to make it. So, you know, we've paid $1,000 or two for the plane tickets. We never got that back. Um, You know, everybody's changed their plans. And they just don't come home. And it's because the church gave them something to do. I'm sure that's my opinion that the church gave them something to do, knowing that this would cause a big rift. So it caused a big rift. And then another one was my daughter, you know, quitting the track team. Of course, that's a big rift. And I talked to the missionary. I called him. I had his cell phone number and I called him that day and I said, look, you're her leader. You're supposed to be giving her advice. You know, I'm going to cut it all off. I'm not going to pay for her to stay there. I said, she can come go to that church down here, but I'm not going to stay, pay for her to stay in that church up there that far away from me when she doesn't have college paid for or, you know, any of that. And she's lost her track scholarship. And I said, you need to get on the phone and call her and give her some good advice. Well, he calls her right when she's walking in the office of of the coach. So that didn't help. So, okay, that was something that was, you know, got, got off on us. And then, um, the other thing was the thing that really hurt the th- one thing I, I think i probably had almost a nervous breakdown over is uh after i went up there to see them at the Winscog, you know my daughter we spent a day in the mall i got us you know double massages you know um bought her lunch we went to see her she loved disney movies we went to see frozen two and uh cinderella and uh, so so we, we spent the day at the mall doing that And so, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to have a relationship with my daughter again. So, she pulls up to the airport. She gets out of the car, and she looks me in the face, and she said, look, this hasn't fixed anything. I don't want you to know where I live. You don't want to know where I work. I don't want you to know what I do, who I hang out with. I'm not going to talk to you every week. I'm not going to talk to you every month. You'll just hear from me every once in a while. And then she pushed me away and walked away. And that's the last time I've seen her. That was three years ago. And I mean, I almost had a nervous breakdown off of that. that. That was just... Horrible. And uh um, uh, you know, I haven't talked to her since. That was the last time I talked to her. So um, yeah, I do think that what they do is intentional. In our in my family it was. I mean, that's my opinion. I'm yeah. so
0: sorry that you went through that. I'm so sorry. Um, did your son know that your daughter had said those things to you? What was his reaction to her?
1: Yes, I told him it, 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 His thing is, you know, he likes to He makes it light. Um, He's lost his compassion for me. And um, so he says, Mom, you're always the victim. And, um, you know, this last year I got cancer. I had to go through chemotherapy. I used to have long blonde hair. I lost it all. And um, so the brothers, you know, called him and said, you know, you need to talk to Mom. She can be dying. Well, I'm in remission, but we didn't know. And um, my daughter never contacted me, so I never heard from her. My uh, youngest daughter said, hey, you know, why don't you call mom? And my youngest daughter said, mom, I can't do that because if I do, she shuts me off. She won't talk to me. You know, she blocks me. So, um, so anyway, I didn't hear from her, but he did call and I was irritated because, you know, I couldn't talk to my daughter on her birthday. Several, you know, a couple of them had gone by and I asked him, I said, don't you think it's strange that I can't, that I don't know where my daughter is. And so when I said that, I guess he took that as an attack against the church. So he immediately starts yelling and screaming. Of course, I start yelling and screaming. I shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done it. Did it anyway. But I just felt he was being very disrespectful. I told him he was a rebellious, disrespectful, dishonorable son by the way he was acting, and, um, you know, so he said, I'm hanging up, and he hung up, and that was it, so I probably won't talk to him for a while, but I do have to say, when we left, when I left New Windsor, uh, we hugged, I hugged him, and now, and his wife, and I thought, well, at least I'll have a relationship with them, but I could tell, you know, the next phone call was a couple months later, and he was cold again, and the next call, phone call, he was really cold, and then the next time he talked to his dad, he said, dad, I'm not talking to you if you have that woman in the room, so mm-hmm. something had changed, and then I, I, when we were, the last phone call, when we, were, you know, when I had cancer, and he called, um, because his brother's asking to, he said, mom, he says, you know, you were video the whole time, he says, you know, you were doing, just doing that to to, you know, put it on the internet and make our church look bad. He said, you know, he says, you know, you did it. He says, you're lying. if you said you didn't, I didn't do that. I took a video of them playing cornhole. Uh, I took pictures and everybody, at the church said, take tons and tons of pictures. Um, because I guess they wanted to say, you know, she can't say anything because she took tons and tons of pictures. Um, but I could tell that they had turned him against me. Is my feeling. I felt like that. I felt like that's my feeling. Something changed, you know, that his the way he
0: he dealt with me. Caroline, have you ever done like a YouTube video or ever like done anything like this? I mean, is this podcast the first time you've ever gone online, or
1: this is the first time I have? I've had um, several people ask me to, but I had a relationship with my children at that time, and um, I didn't want to mess that up. But I don't see where I've lost anything there's no way I can contact them I can't call them I can't message them on Facebook I can't I can't get a hold of them And any you know I don't know where they I don't know where my son lives I don't know where she lives um you know I don't know I don't even know where they are
0: as a mother that's so heartbreaking it is it's not and right. very scary it's not right I've cried every time I've heard your story oh. like, I've okay. heard it. A few times now, and I just uh, it still makes me cry. Your story is like an example of, uh, you know, some families have a little bit of what's happened to you. Some of them maybe don't have near, like a little bit more, but your family has just had such a compilation of, of um, sadness and tragedy from their involvement. But your story's not over. We're just in the middle of your journey. Like you said, it's a long marathon. You know, it's once you become involved with this with this organization, you're going to be involved for a long time, unfortunately, so. Um,
1: I, I do want to say, you know, I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Why why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I realize that there's parents out there that are in that desperation where you're running down the road after the car, and, and you're just trying to get some information. Like what's going to happen? What, what is the story? What is going to happen? Well, I mean, I know, like Tony, i you you kept in contact with your family and they were you didn't have this the same story. So I'm sure there's lots of people that it's not as bad, but I wanted to do it for parents that were asking. Maybe they could listen and find something that they could do different that may make it work out better for them from my story. I thought another reason I'm doing this is I'm sure the administration is gonna hear it. Um, you know, maybe, probably. but uh, You know maybe they will realize you know if if they just let their family members be a part of their family then we just back off i mean that's all we want we just want to see them you know why not let them come home for thanksgiving see their brothers and sisters you know my son he hasn't seen his his sister-in-law he has a niece he's never seen um you know i mean there's just so many things he's missed why not let him be a part of that if i mean most most parents would be okay I mean, they're grown children. They can believe what they want. The reason we get angry is because we feel like that they've been taken away from us. And we're angry and we feel like mother bears. And we're, you know, like taken up for our cubs because we don't want them to steal our children. Um, and that's what we feel like. I mean, that's what I feel like. I don't know what the other parents feel like. But that's what I felt like, that they were taking my children away from me. But if they had just let them come, then there would be nothing that would be wrong you know we'd have to respect their beliefs so I'm that's one of the reasons I'm on here and the other is is I'd like for you know members in the church to think you know I feel like somebody has gotten an axe and ripped my guts out I mean I have I can't even tell you the nervous breakdowns I mean when my son and his wife didn't show up at my house I slept outside for two days I mean, I couldn't even function. It was, it was, the rug was pulled out from under me. I couldn't, I couldn't function. And, you know, you as a parent, you have to put this in the back of your box to go on. Um, you know, that's what a lot of parents get cynical. They give up because, you know, you have to go on um, and you just have to put this in the back of the box. So when it comes back out of the box you know, just doing this podcast, it's gonna take me about four days to get over it because it's it's very painful. And um I didn't mean to cry then my son will <laughs> say <said victory. laughs> but uh, that's why I'm doing this. I'm you know members maybe maybe you can be kinder. Maybe you can be kinder to your parents. Maybe you can still have um still have some you know a relationship you know with your family. You can still try. My daughter tried for a while she tried for a few years she said mom I can have both I can have you and the church and that that worked for a little while but it it wasn't going to work They I just don't feel like that they were going to allow that but that's just my feelings that's my opinion but can I ask
0: um I mean I'm sure you get asked this all the time this is the the big question. What is your advice for parents who are in this situation? Do you have any, um, any mistakes you feel like maybe have been made or maybe some things that you felt worked for a short time? Can you share that with us?
1: Well, the the advice that I got, um, we got advice from people that elders in our town that, you know, we asked them, I said, what would you do? Um, Try to keep a relationship at all possible. We tried. We tried that. You know, maybe your children will. Maybe your children will. Maybe you can. I mean, yours did, Tony. Um, Maybe you'll have a different story. Um, You know, just we were told if your daughter, you know, continues to have a relationship with you, still pay the bills. If she's in college, you know, still pay the bills. We did until, you know, she quit her scholarship. And, uh. So, you know, maybe do that. Uh, Keep reaching out. Uh, Just realize this, that the only way you're going to see your children, in my opinion, is to go to them, Um, you know, go to their church, go to the church, spend as many times as they'll let you come up. Be nice. Uh, Try not to embarrass them. Uh, Just, you know,
0: be careful not to get uh, brainwashed yourself. Just like go in with a guard. You know, if you're going to do a Bible study, make sure that you stay Yeah, I think that's great advice. I love that advice. I think some parents are afraid to go there or intimidated or something. But don't be intimidated. Those are your kids. You're allowed to go to the church. I imagine like, like we would go to the church and go visit Tony and my mom would go. But if they had moved Tony out of state, we would have lost our freaking minds. Like it would have been a different story. So for us, it was just so happened that Tony was close enough that we could go visit on the weekends. She was... It was she would miss family functions and so that but was they perfect. tried to move us, they moved us to different cities outside of Denver that were like two hours away and they still came. Yeah, and they, they still came. came. So I think if that's really, really out nice. of state. If they had moved you out of state, I do think that there would be a lot more anger in my soul as a family member. You know, I feel lucky that you were only involved to the extent that you were, even though it was a long time that you were in it. You were never moved out of state and like Just the imagining, like, you moving across the country, I would have lost my
1: She was moved from Louisville to New York. Yeah. My son was moved from Virginia Beach to New York. And, uh, you know, to me, to go visit is $2,000. So, you know, it's a $2,000 trip every time you go visit your kids. And I had six kids, so I couldn't go very often. Um, They made it so difficult, it was unfeasible you
0: know and i think that it's so interesting that they took your beautiful educated you know your children were on their way for amazing things and um they took them and then they took them to new york where it seems you know we're finding is the most severe training and severe you know mind control tactics are being used over there so i just kind of wanted the audience to he- to get a full picture of of what your family is like
1: I, I, Beautiful. They're blonde and blue eyed. My son was a football player at the Naval Academy. So he's brilliant. He's brilliant. My daughter is gifted. She was, like I said, All American twice. She was the eighth best pole vaulter in the country um, of all schools everywhere. And so they were highly gifted. There were my two children with the highest IQs. Um, yeah, they were a good catch. They were a good catch, um, and it, it it is sad. And you know, uh, you know, like something else I wanted to say. You know, members don't think about this, but especially when they're d- disassociated with their families. But you know, I walk around my home. I have pictures of my children. You know, and it's like they're they're ghosts. It's like they're dead, but they're not dead. It's like th- I know they're alive. That gives me hope but it's like it's almost like there's death in the family it's like there's a hole there's a place you know we have thanksgiving pictures christmas pictures they're not in it and uh you know as a mother i I remember my daughter you know when you're a mother you have an imprint of that child i mean i know what she feels like on my body i know her little legs i know her bony shoulders i know you know, I know what she feels like, and when you see, as a mother, you know, you see children, mothers with daughters, you know, that are 12 years old, and they're walking hand in hand, I remember those days, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's like, um, it's like a wound that just keeps opening up, you know, over and over, and it's just, it never goes away, you know, it's just this wound, and, uh, I just want members to just think about that. You know, they they talk about that the mother is their real mother. The mother is not their real mother. The mother I, I mean, I am their mother, you know. So I, I think that I've, I've said most everything I wanted to say.
0: Um, there could be a slight chance that your children are listening. Um, is there a specific message that you would like to say to them?
1: Well, I, I, you know, the reason that there's animosity is because I'm fighting like a mother bear for her children. I'm not going to give up. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Just walk away and to say, you know, you just have them forever? Um, I mean, that's why I don't want to give up. I, I want. I mean, I would throw myself under a bus for them. Um, to this day, um, you know, there's just nothing I would not do for them and I do love them and uh I guess I I just wish that they would you know realize that they could still be a part of our family and still go to church I mean they're adults they can believe whatever they want to believe they could still have a relationship with their brothers and sisters um you know but I don't know I don't know why that's not possible yeah. Let me, dry, let me dry my tears. Here, I
0: know. Me up. too. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah Karen, thank you, thank you, you so, so much for all of that. It was just so you're articulate and you're strong and um, we all feel for you. And um, let's talk with AJ now. Let's talk with the dad and kind of get your, anything that you want to say specific or do you just want to kind of. This is your chance, AJ. Is there something that you'd like to say to your children or to the Wimscog or to other parents that are listening?
2: Well, I think we all know that this is an absolute cult and, uh, it comes from North care, you know, North Korea, uh, it wrote the book on brainwashing and, um, you know, China learns this, in my opinion. Uh, but, uh, Mm -hmm. of all our children, our six, uh, the two strongest mentally and, uh, very stubborn, very, uh, very focused, very driven. I mean, you know, you don't get to be, you know, first team all American every time you compete, um. And uh, my son getting that full scholarship as a linebacker to uh, Navy, um, they would have been the least likely to fall into this. And, uh, you know, you go back and you search. Why did they do this? What happened? And, you know, when a kid goes to college, especially when they leave their hometown, um, I believe he went up there and um, their senior year, they uh, they become very attracted to women because those guys, he, he get like a forty thousand dollar signing bonus and they get an eighty thousand dollar salary right off the bat. And uh, he felt guilty, what is my opinion of what was probably going on there. And and here comes his commanding officer saying, Hey, would you like to come to a Bible study? And uh, he had Oh, Bible study. I, you know, he loved Bible studies. I mean, we had him two and three a week for his whole life. And uh, he went, and that's how they got him. Um, my daughter, um, uh, she, um, you know, she um, she saw what happened to Caleb and he pulled away. And anyway, um, uh it's just, it is heart-wrenching. Uh, there, there are ghosts around here. Uh, I went up there to visit him and uh, stayed with him up there four days. And I went to the church and I met with the, the head guy of the, of the United States flew in to meet with me. And uh, we sat in a room uh, and they had a chalkboard and they wanted to talk to me about the Bible. And I said, I'm open. I'm pretty knowledgeable in the scriptures. So we go in there. There was two of them, my son and me. And they put three against one on the table. And I said, well, can he sit next to me so we can have like a square table? And they said, no, no, he's over here. I said, OK. And off they went. And they had a, an agenda. The agenda was to, um, you know, what the way they get people is they show them something in scripture that's kind of interesting. And then they say, look at this. And they follow the dots. And it makes some type of sense. But I wouldn't let them do that. And and uh, that conversation went downhill. Um they wasn't able to convince me of anything. I said, that's not true. Look at what the verse says here. And you're saying it means that, but look at here. And that threw them curves. Um,
0: that's interesting. Like you as an adult man could go into that room and see how they had set the three people against you. And you could tell that that was like an intimidation tactic, like right off of the bat. And so if you're like 18 or 19 and you walk into a room, you, you may not even notice why you're feeling intimidated by it by this setup but like you're an adult so you're like okay I see what you're doing I want him on this side and the fact that they were like no no no, it's set up like this I mean I think that's that shows too why a lot of like younger college age um, students are easier to get involved in this than like a grown adult who kind of knows like hey that's not right like this makes me feel uncomfortable and I have enough sense to like say something about that I mean that's just interesting right there that that you even remember that happening in that way.
2: Yeah, well, my son went uh, four years to that school. And uh, when you play football, your weekends are tied up and their schedules are just incredible what they go through. And it was I could understand why I couldn't get up Sunday morning, and go to church. Sometimes they wouldn't even fly in until Sunday morning from a game around the country. And um, So he went four years and never went to church never really did much and he was so focused on what it took to graduate there and playing a sport like he did was uh, overwhelming and then as it slowed down at the end he could finally come up for breath and yeah he wanted to go to bible study and you know we saw the success that my daughter had at college and uh, it was overwhelming literally at the university they have a billboard and she was up there made all-american they would show her diving and jumping and things like that um you know vaulting and uh you know she would become real popular she was dating the one of the the starters on the uh national championship basketball team and their parents were very strong christians and they actually intervened because they were in the same town and tried to help my daughter get out because they they, they loved her they saw her as a first class girl and she was beautiful she was intelligent she's very polite and uh you know they want they kind of saw their 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 son maybe damien and they they were they were blown away at what they did and how they were treated and of course they pulled away and but um, it's been hard on the family um you know there is hope though and I, I do believe that one day they'll come out and i believe they'll do a podcast like you guys mm-hmm. uh you know they they will be very good at it and uh but it'll take them time um They're very knowledgeable in scriptures. Uh, They're very intelligent. That's what I can't understand how they got duped into this. I mean, it is so obvious what is going on. I mean, the manipulation and the uh, but but, you know, it's beyond the manipulation. It's a satanic thing. There is spirits outside of this world that that I don't understand that have the ability and the power to go in and and, and just take over people's minds. And and uh, they let it happen. And uh, there's nobody to blame but them. But I, um, you know, I I just saw them change. You know, uh, these two kids never, we, we could never catch them in lies. They always told the truth. And we just trusted them totally. And what was funny about our daughter on her phone, I was paying for it uh, we had to find my phone. We knew where she was. So we'd call her up, you know, in the early days and she would talk to us every time we called and would say, we knew where she was. She was, uh, at the mall preaching, as they say, you know, recruiting. And she'd say, oh, I'm at my dorm. Or she'd say, uh, I'm on campus at the library. And, and she would say things like that. And we didn't want her to, to know we knew because she would disconnect it, but that was for years. And every time, just time she didn't need to lie, but she turned into something that just wasn't her. And, um, uh you know we had money set aside for her to get through college if she had a little boat things like that and she went in there and when it happened she just pulled all the money out ten thousand dollars and uh said it's mine and um she we, we did back. get nine thousand back because we put our foot down and it wasn't her money it was ours and we we reminded her but anyway um uh, <laughs> yeah. you know what's funny is i came out of catholicism um i desired to be a priest for many years and um and uh, when I started studying the Bible, I saw that 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 is a that's another cult. And what's so funny is they heard me. I, I, I read, written books on this on that religion and why I left. And my testimony has been published tens of thousands of times in, in books uh, that different people have asked permission to use my testimony in their book. And the similarities between that religion and, and this religion, it's just one has seven feast days and one has seven holy days you know, of yes. obligation. One has, uh, you know, uh, if you miss, you know, the Sabbath at one, you go to hell, you miss the mass on theirs, you go to hell. Um, they, um, you know, they have priests. One has deacons. Uh, one, they both of them have a female deity. And mm. when I don't. And this is kind of funny and it's not funny, but when I went to visit the second time, I went in there and there was a picture of this woman. She was heavyset in this white robe and there were thousands of people around her. And I said, is that her? And he goes, that's her. And I said, that is a picture of the mother of God. I'm looking at it. I was making a little scene there and he had to just pull my hair out. Dad, you can't do that. But I'm looking at God Almighty. That's amazing. Oh, my goodness. And um uh, uh, that was um I just don't understand how they can't see what they're going through. Uh, it blows me away. Their intelligence and um um it's just have, hard
0: you, to, have you seen your daughter then since she's been in or was that the last time you saw your son and then you haven't seen either of them?
2: He came here. One day he uh came down to Pensacola. He was setting up a church over there and um, he uh yeah, after the Today show then they told everybody to go home. Okay skull which is only an hour away and he just knocks on our door and there's my son anyway i uh i said come in and uh and i said let me hug you and i hugged him and he was stand off like he thought i was gonna do something and i said can you're my son and uh and of course i'm gonna hug you and uh come on in sit down let's talk and he was only there about 15 minutes and he just he just had to get out of there it was very good but that's the last time i've seen him and
1: that's the only time you've seen him in 12 years. 12
2: years. Now, I have uh, Skype with him, and we've Zoomed, and uh, but it's always about he's got a study. He wants to show me something in Scripture, and he wanted to show me how they real recognize the Catholic Church as being an antichrist. And I said, I'll listen. And we would spend hours on Skype looking at each other. He had his Bible. I had mine. But he had an agenda. That was obvious. And he would go down this little, follow the dots, these verses, and he would get to one. I'd say, wait a minute. Uh, that's not what the verse says. Look at this verse. And it was frustrating because they want to. to, And that's how they get you. You know, they put you in there and you watch these one hour shows times 10 and you can graduate. and Then they'll tell you the truth. I mean, who does that? Um, and I've told them, I said, the whole time you were Christians with us. Did, did you did we ever hide anything? Was there ever a question we didn't answer Johnny on the spot? We don't cover something up. I mean, come on, wake up. And I keep saying, wake up, because that's exactly what needs to happen. And they're going to have to pull themselves out of this. Um, the manipulation, and uh, it's destroying their life. And I do realize, thanks to guys like you who put on these shows, I hear when they come out, they're going to be anti-God. They're going to be anti-Christian, anti-church. I realize that, and I'm not going to push it on them. Our home is wide open. They can come here. we got extra be- bedrooms. Uh, we can get them jobs. Uh, they're both very talented. they got great degrees. Um, and uh, you know we'll get them back on their feet. I mean we'll take them in like it never happened. Of course we would. We we love our children and uh, and uh, we just uh, we want the best for them and we'll do whatever we can to get them back on their feet again. And I just focus on that. But I thought it would have happened maybe ten years ago and seven years ago and and it ain't happening. But mm-hmm.
0: I- well, you guys stay strong. I know it's impossible and, and most days and infuri- infuriating. I imagine. I mean, Tony was in there for 12 years. So I definitely had days where I would say, all right, that's it. I'm done with her. But um, yeah, just them knowing if they hear this or hear it through the grapevine, just for them to know that you guys are unconditionally in love with them and that they have you there for no matter what at the end. As a long, as a member that was in there a long time, you know, there were times when I had doubts and then you feel shame and you feel kind of scared to go to your parents. So I love what you said that, you know, you would take them back in a heartbeat with no questions asked. I mean, that's just, that's so beautiful.
2: Um, Oh yeah, we would. I mean, we're their parents um, and uh, their family, you know, they have four siblings that uh, look up to them and respect them and, and um Uh, You know, we'd love to have them back, and it's going to happen. I I do realize that, but they're going to feel like, uh, they're going to feel bad, and I'm not going to say we told you so or anything like that. I mean, that's going to be very obvious. Um, I'm trying to think of some things, a couple things I wrote down I wanted to say, but um, to other parents out there, you know, I heard you ask Caroline uh, that question about, you know, what could you do to parents if it's early enough, you can probably go get them and you do need to. You got a window there; that's very short and you better go get them and do it immediately. And there was a time that I wanted to drive up there, get her car because we had enough influence to do that. She would have come with us. We we're very confident of that at the time, but we put it off thinking she's going to come out. We just didn't know how overwhelmingly strong this thing is. And by the time a parent finds that it's too late. You know, when my son, um, he told me he's going to a Bible study. I was excited for him. I didn't know what you know, kind of Bible study it was. And, and uh, he called me up and said, Dad, uh, we, we were a member of a church that water baptism was not a big deal. If you wanted to get water baptized, you know, in the scriptures, no one got baptized uh, before they were, you know, before they were saved. You get You get baptized after you're saved. So they wanted to. And he said, Dad, I'm getting baptized. And I said, well, good. I'm glad to hear it. And he came, and after he did it, he called me up, and this is the moment I knew I had lost him. He was really excited about it. He was telling me some strange things, and I was asking him, and he didn't. He knew not to cross certain lines, and he knew what to not say. But anyway, he said, Dad, when I came up out of that water, he said, my eyes were open. He said, I understood all things. And there was something happened to him right there, and he says, man, there's an anointing on me like I've never felt, and that's hogwash. And nothing anointed on him, but something did. There's a spirit that got a hold of him, all right. But it wasn't of God, and uh, that's my opinion. Uh, but uh, that was the moment I knew. Oh my gosh, when he said that. And then my other daughter, when she got wet, she said the exact same thing. Something happened to her. Something magnificent. And uh, everything is clear now. Uh, did you have that happen to you, Tony?
0: Yeah, and you actually. Um kind of can't sleep, you're so excited, you're in a, a different kind of state, you know, because you're just so you can see now your spiritual eyes are open.
2: Yeah. Whatever that means. And that just uh, right. <laughs> uh they have to, you know, they keep them fatigued, you know. They admit they work there at church uh ten hours a day.
1: Seven days a week.
2: Yeah, seven days a week and uh they
1: have migraines all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah. He never had migraines. Now they got migraines and uh mm. Um, and we know why they suffer, Um, the stress they're under, and he was the kind of guy that's going to make a couple hundred thousand a year. He just has that ability. He's a very high IQ. He's he's age on steroids. He's bigger, smarter, better looking. Um, He's a better communicator. I mean, he's just a very, both of those kids were very blessed kids, And uh, I mean, they were just anointed by God in certain ways. They were, you know, they're beautiful looking. Um, They uh, excelled in school. I never said a word to them about their grades. They just made A's at a very difficult school. And they excelled in their sport. They were both at the top of their game. She was homecoming queen. Yeah, she was homecoming queen. And uh, I can show you some pictures of her. I mean, um, but um, that's who they want. That's who they go after. I don't. And, you know, I was talking to him, I heard y'all talking, you know, I, I work in uh, purposely go to mission houses where, where guys are under drug abuse and alcohol and they're they're jobless or homeless. And I go in and help men like that because I believe that Jesus were around here today. That's who we went to help. They don't want any part of that. They were tell us listening and listening to tell me, no, those people drain us. And uh, they're, they're after money. I mean, you follow the dog. Yeah, that's my opinion. Um, and uh, it you know based on what they tell me that's what it sure sounds like to me they want the money and there's estimates of how much that church pulls in and it's it's staggering you've heard yeah. the story they hide cash under their clothes and fly international long time ago long time ago yeah um and um we heard oh, all
0: oh boy have we heard the stories <laughs> yeah it's um it's in it's Tony and I joke that real life is sometimes more interesting than a movie. Sometimes when we learn things about this. this if people. it wasn't so tragic, though, I mean, because these are real people. And that's why I'm so thankful that you guys came on to speak with us because um, it's really brave of you. And I hope that your children are listening. And I hope that they know that you guys love them and that you're Come out waiting. Come you guys. Come out
1: and do a podcast.
2: <laughs> yes yeah, they will really do. and I, I believe we'll, we''ll laugh at this when they come
1: yeah. on. Yeah. I just want to thank you so much for doing this. I, I, I'm just very grateful. Um, it's been a comfort for me to listen to your podcast because I'm learning more, and it it just makes me feel good that maybe one day my children would be one of the ones that could come out
2: can we how can we help you guys financially you know how could people that listen to this they need to realize you guys you know it's hard to do this for nothing day after day uh, how do we support you or try to help you
0: well well we could take this out but are you guys the ones who do the monthly donations yes yeah so you guys, nice we didn't even know that was a possibility we've never even like put that <laughs> up <but> we could <laughs> We should advertise that more. But like you <laughs> said, um, we spend a lot of time on the podcast and I'm, we're, me and my family are coming out of a cult. So even though we're in our later thirties, we're like, we're like still so behind, you know, and that's also something that keeps people in for so long. Like your children, you know, you lose this big chunk of time and then you think, oh my God, now what financially, how am I going to do this? You know? So you're just kind of like trying to dig yourself out. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, and it, it, it's, I bet you went through a long, tough time trying to just get back in touch with the real world, and thank goodness somebody like Lindsay was there, but, uh, you know, they have no friends anymore, I mean, they, you know, our kids had the closest friends you could possibly imagine, and and when we see them around town, and, you know, they don't even want to ask how are they, because they know how bad it is, and I usually bring it up and say, you know, they're still in that cult, and, and, uh,
1: it's embarrassing.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it was well, embarrassing for them to try to speak to us because we always we had the mutual friend was was our children and and the coaches and the teachers that they had, you know, Mobile's not a big place and I'm, I'm, we get around a lot and and uh, everybody's hush hush about it and uh, no one calls them and uh, they still have their original cell phone numbers, and uh, but every now and then I can talk one of their friends and calling them, but then they try to recruit them
1: mm-hmm.
2: and especially. Well, both of them, they're very goal oriented. They're very task oriented and, and they get brownie points for recruiting people. So man, they got to go for it.
0: Right. Well, thank you. Thank you for speaking out because um people, I know you guys have heard this. People always say, I would never join a cult. My family would never be involved in a cult. But when you hear about your beautiful, strong, close knit family and you guys, I mean, they had everything, you know, well-educated, yeah. smart, Independent, all these things, and anybody is susceptible to joining a cult.
2: Yes, they are. Yes. Yeah.
1: And so. one thing that's really sad to me is the the okay, the third son and the fourth son and my last daughter. Have just gone on, they're honing their crafts now. They've become good and experts in their fields. Um, they're making lots of money and they're doing very well. They've moved, one of them's moved to Boulder, Colorado. He works for uh, Ball that aerospace, yeah, aerospace engineering, engineering
2: yeah. Um he,
1: our daughter works um at
2: a big computer company yeah and she just was top salesperson i mean they're all over the world and she was top and salesperson and, and then we
1: have a, a son that's a captain in the army in kuwait
2: he's in overseas and, right now.
1: and he's doing very well so my the other kids have are honing their crafts and i can see them being successful in their 40s um these children um, from what I've heard, a lot of the jobs that my son has are very menial and he, you know, has changed jobs a lot. And, um, I imagine my daughter, I, I don't know, but she probably has those same things.
2: do will own a house. they will never own one. You know how that works. So. I,
1: I believe that my daughter's probably in a small apartment with like four or five other women in Manhattan. So, you know, I, I believe she has it rough. She's always hurting for money
2: you know? Yeah, we bought her a coat. I mean, she, had, you know, people living south don't need coats up there like New York, but she didn't have a coat.
1: Whenever we see them, we always give them money.
2: Yeah,
1: it's hard to
0: watch. It's hard to know what to do as a parent.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're as always- a
0: sibling, and we've said this before, as a sibling, it's easier to be direct. Like, I could just tell Tony that she was being, being dumb, you know, but if my parents had said that to her, you know, it does, it has the opposite effect. There's like that little thing that if your parents tell you what to do, that you want to be rebellious. But for siblings, I, I think my advice was, has always been like, get the siblings to sort of be the ones to be direct with them. Like you're kind of being a jerk and, you know, um, kind of be more directive with them. Cause coming from a parent, there's just that automatic. And again, like, you have to be careful because then, oh. you know, the daughter can went into the cold. So that's, yeah,
1: that's true.
0: It's so well, tricky.
1: Well, like daughter, our youngest daughter, um, you know, we made a decision. She cannot be in the room with our son alone. I mean, Mm. he he cannot be trusted. And so when he did come in town after the Today Show, the other two brothers had to buffer her. They were like, you're not going in the car with her alone. You know, you're not going to be alone with her. You can't be trusted. Um, And that's really sad. That's really sad. Mm.
2: Well,
0: thank you guys so much. I cannot thank you enough for, um, for telling your side of the story. It's really touching to hear. All
1: right. Thank you so much. Um, appreciate it. And thank
0: you, thank you so much. Keep in touch.
1: Okay. okay right. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Boom, baby. All right. I love you. I'll call you in a little bit. Okay. That's like such a sad boom, baby. It was a sad one. I want to go cry. Okay. I love you. Okay, Love you. Bye. Bye.